Welcome everybody into the Lakers Lounge. We're in the lounge on a Wednesday, which, you know, it's a personal choice. You get into the lounge whenever you get into the lounge. Uh, I'm joined in here today. Harrison is on vacation. Um, ironically, Harrison is <laughs> Harrison is never in lounges, even while on vacation. So I figured I'd bring somebody on here who might know more about that. Uh, Samus Farniari of the uh, of basically Twitter, anything you can name. Uh, the oh my light years podcast is is with Andy Liu is always making news and always making noise. I'm looking forward to like you and I, Sam, have been you know Twitter friends. We've been going back and forth here for right. years, like years. And I don't think at any real point here in our discourse have the Lakers and Warriors actually been like somewhat close to competitive. The Warriors were great. The Lakers were crap. And then the Warriors were like competitive, but not quite on the Lakers level. And, and then this next year though, we finally are going to get to a point where Steph is healthy. Clay is hopefully healthy. Uh, Draymond green is getting uh, fights picked with them by Kendrick Perkins. And, and then hopefully some of the young kids that the, the Warriors drafted pop. And then the Lakers are where they're at too. I'm really excited for a year where we can finally like analyze these two teams against each other. I mean, let's not lie. No one gives a fuck about the nets. Uh, <laughs> the play in game warriors Lakers was the highlight of the playoffs. It was last so year. good. Even though so the good. warriors were severely undermanned and the Lakers had their own injury issues. Mm -hmm. Um, the the just the vibe around that game was like clearly that's the matchup the league wants to see yeah. now whether the Warriors put a team together that's like good enough to actually get those two teams meeting in like maybe a conference final or something is a completely different question but especially when you throw in like you know you got like Dodgers Giants and baseball and just the NorCal SoCal rivalry is absolutely a thing and yeah, it's just wild. They've Absolutely. never been good at the same time. Like you want to, <laughs> you want to know how far back you have to go. Like obviously, the Lakers have the much more, um, yeah, they're, they're prestigious they're, history, right? Yeah. Like they, uh -huh. what, what eighteen titles? Is that right? 17. Um, Eight, seventeen. Eighteen. Hopefully this year. That's a good Freudian slip, though. I appreciate that. I can never keep up. You guys in Boston are always <laughs> arguing about what happened during black and white TVs. And it's, it's not my thing. Um, but like, even when the Warriors won the title in 75, uh, which was their only title in um, on the West coast up until like the recent run, mm -hmm. the Lakers had the worst record in the league that right. Year. It's like, the weirdest and, thing. And the Lakers like, traditionally like don't really bottom out or aren't really that bad. Like I think they've missed the playoffs like up until this last run, like three times in like 35 years or something dumb like that. Yeah. So it's just, it's just the funniest thing that they are never competitive at the same time. Yeah. The Warriors and Lakers are basically Charlize Theron and Will Smith and Hitchcock where like the closer they are to each other, the weaker they both become. And then they, you know, <laughs> they, they, they separate. I should have. <laughs> I should have known. I should have known when you guys got Anthony Davis, and it was clear you're going to be a contending team. Something terrible is going to happen to the Warriors. Like it's it, it, that's it just, what it is. I mean, and lo and behold, Steph breaks his hand like three games into the season. So, yeah. Anyway, I, I'm 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 I. There are a few topics here to hit. So we got to talk about Kent Bazemore, who was on the Warriors last year as a Laker this year. We have to discuss the 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 matchup between the two teams. The Warriors, I think, are in this weird spot where. They're trying to develop young guys while also keeping their title window open at the same time. And that's a really difficult balance to 
figure out as evidenced by LeBron James shipping out all the Laker kids as soon as he possibly could for Anthony Davis. Um, so I just think, I just think there's a lot, uh, to, to discuss here. Let's start though, really quickly with Bazemore and, and the season that he had for the Warriors last year, there was some frustration with the role that he had there. And there was some frustration with Warriors fans with him trying to dribble. Um, what, what was, what was the Kent Bazemore experience for like for you? First off, there's frustration with Warrior fans with anyone not named Steph or Draymond trying yeah, it's to basically. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's funny. I actually like Bazemore as a player because I don't have unrealistic expectations for guys yeah. who are on vet minimums or basically anything below a mid-level exception. I thought he severely overperformed his contract and was one of the Warriors' better players. Mm. Most Warrior fans felt opposite. They kind of he is frustrating and they took it out on him and blamed him uh, a lot for, for kind of their poor play. I always thought it was like, I don't know, man, he's making 2 million. Wiggins is making 31 million, maybe, you know, point your finger in a different direction, but I've come to the conclusion. It's not that he's a bad player. It's that he is good for one play a quarter where you're like, it's inexcusable and you you just have no clue what's going on through his mind. Yeah. Like whether it be just a completely bonehead foul or <laughs> like looking off a wide open Steph Curry to dribble into a horrendous contested floater that he misses. <laughs> like it, it's, it's, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, yeah. it's yeah. It's like, or you can even say um, someone like Dennis Schroeder or someone like that, where you're like, their bad plays look so bad, so bad. that it, yeah. you, you forget about like in the aggregate, they're doing something that's relatively positive for the team. Yeah. It, it reminds me like Chris Mim Casey, back in the day was like KCP's my least favorite. <laughs> like, great analogy, yeah. Yeah. KCP is the most recent one, but I remember when I was a kid, uh, Chris Mim would be out there and he would make, you know, two, three jump hooks, grab a couple boards, contest well at the rim or something like that, and then right. commit a foul like 95 feet away from the basket. And I would just, <laughs> I would lose my mind. Like, you're a big, what are you doing here? <laughs> why are you trying you know, why to? Why are you fouling in the backcourt? What, what's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> and I would just lose my mind. And my dad's like, but he's been all right for most of the game. It's like, dad, he's terrible. I can't stand this guy. And then, <laughs> and then, but that was, you know, that was like 15 years ago. And now like, now that we've watched enough basketball, you can kind of say, okay, yeah, they are loud wrong once a quarter or so, but they're solid for, for the rest of the time. They, I think Baysmore, I, I like that Baysmore uh, alongside Russ and, and LeBron and AD um, will be less tempted to dribble than he was. I think uh, in golden state where it was like Steph. And if it was just Steph on the court, there was no, literally no other ball handler out there. Um, and, and I think for, you know, for and most also, of the times, what's that? And, I, and I'd say, and also the warriors encourage ball movement and kind of getting everyone involved in playmaking, which totally works if you have the players to do it. Right. Uh, as they found out this year, you know, like asking Bazemore and Ubre to be like Iguodala and KD's just, you know, not a recipe to work. That's why, that's why a lot of, that's why basically no other team tries to run the system they do. 
It's like, doesn't remind you so much of like when Phil Jackson coached the Lakers, it's like, it works if you have very specific high IQ players who can execute it. It looks horrendous when you have a run of the mill guy doing it. (laughs) Right. Right. I remember the, the, the Phil Jack right before basically the Lakers took off. It was like right after Kobe had just demanded a trade, they start that season and they had some guys trying to run the triangle that had no business whatsoever trying to run the triangle. And I was like, man, this is really going to piss Kobe off. Then eventually like either guys get it or they don't. And I think one of the things that was, I think interesting to watch from afar was it, it was just very few guys who, 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 eventually picked up the system with the warriors last year right you know is either you get it you don't and then if you don't the team is just kind of screwed and the nice thing is here for the lakers it's going to be a waste it's it's lebron ball he's just yeah it's going to be lebron ball and it's going to be rust ball and it's going to be lebron ball it's going to be rust ball and baysmore's role is basically go stand over there move occasionally play solid defense and i think for the vets minimum i that's perfectly fine for me Yeah, I I wonder about his shooting. That's Mm -hmm. the only question I have. Um, Steve Kerr is a big believer in the ball finds energy if everyone gets to touch it and then they feel better and they shoot better and all the kumbaya Kerr stuff. (laughs) I don't know how true it is, but it's a decidedly different skill set when you're kind of touching the ball every possession and then you get Mm -hmm. to hoist it and going through lulls where you do not touch the ball for five, 10 possessions in a row. And then LeBron finds you in the corner and you're probably wide open. The expectation is you drill it. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Baysmore is that type of player. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen like, like from, from that standpoint, I feel like Trevor Ariza will be excellent for you guys Mm -hmm. because I mean, no team is worse with that than like the Houston Rockets. And he was very effective playing that style of basketball mm-hmm. next to Harden and Chris Paul. So he's not, he's shown he's not a player who needs to like touch the ball every other possession just to like get the rhythm or anything. He's shown, you know, hey, I can hit five threes in a row even if I haven't touched the ball or miss five threes. Doesn't make it, doesn't matter. Baysmore, I just don't know. Is uh, what did you see from him defensively last year? Because this is going to be a, you know, Russ is Russ on the defensive side and he's going to wander and he's going to see a squirrel and he's going to run in the opposite direction. Um, That makes it all the more important that guys like Basemore, guys like Ariza, you know, the other role players on the court have to kind of make up for the defense that Russ doesn't play sometimes. How, how, what did you see from him on that side? He does foul a lot. There's Mm -hmm. just no way around it. Um, I don't think you guys are, asking him to play 40 minutes a game. So I'm not sure, you you know, it's as big a deal. Like he's going to foul out, but he is, he is prone to over aggression. When the Warriors went on the run at the end of the year, he started at shooting guard and was one of their primary point of attack defenders. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the same things that guys like KCP did, I think KCP is more disciplined than him defensively. Mm -hmm. Uh, KCP also makes like six times as much as him, but it, yeah. it's kind of, I would put them in the same category defensively with Baysmore being more erratic. He's more likely to commit a foul reaching or being overly aggressive. The thing you don't have to worry about Baysmore is like being lazy on defense. So he's going to make his mistakes by trying too hard. Yeah, um, I think that's probably a welcome scenario because 
LeBron's going to try to find every way to conserve energy throughout the regular season because he's Mm -hmm. 110 years old. And Russ, like you said, um, he just, he just doesn't have the focus to like stay locked into a possession. Like he's going to gamble. He's going to play the passing lanes and do that sort of stuff. Bazemore will also play the passing lanes and do that sort of stuff. I mean, he does have a seven foot wingspan. He did. He, he only made it in the NBA because of his defense. And then his offense came around over time, but like his first few years in the league, it was definitely like this guy can defend. We don't know if he can hit a jump shot, but he can defend. So it, all in all, I think he'll be a plus three on that end, but be prepared for some frustrations with fouling and overaggression. Yeah, I think it's more his fouling, for lack of a better term, worries me more from the perspective of putting the other team in the bonus than it is like his availability. Right. You know, like yeah. it's it's I you don't want to you don't want to go out there and when you're playing against Clay, for example, you're playing against Steph, you don't want to sure. give those guys early free throws and, and midway through the any quarter just because you went out and and tried to overcommit to those guys but but like if i had to choose between the type of defenders that i want around the the superstar core that the lakers have i want errors of commission rather than omission like i i'd I'd rather have guys really trying out there and and maybe occasionally fouling versus you know the andre drummonds in the world who just kind of are there sometimes Right. You, oh. you don't even see their mistake because they didn't make the rotation and they left <laughs> someone else out to dry. And yeah. you had to like really watch the play to pick up that like it all started because they were just standing there. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's segue over to the matchup here between the Lakers and Warriors. And like we just we, we started at the top. We, this is one of the very, very, very few times that both these teams are. I think the Lakers are are obviously a tier above the the Warriors, but correct. If Clay is healthy and if Draymond has another you know Draymond type season in him, and if Steph goes ballistic in any given game that these teams play against them, the Warriors could very easily clip them, and and that makes me really excited for the matchup. And and that's even before like you know if Wiseman takes a step forward or if Kaminga pops or whatever. So. Uh, how confident are you coming into this this next season about where the Warriors stand? Um, I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm not overly pessimistic like a segment of Warrior fans on Twitter, and I'm definitely not drinking the Kool Aid like Clay's back 2015 title. You know, like it's <laughs> yeah. somewhere in the middle. I think you look at the Warriors roster. What I see is an incomplete roster. I don't think they liked any of the, well, I know they didn't like any of the trade offers they got for the picks, which became Kuminga and Moody. And you can throw Wiseman into that. So I think they've decided to roll it forward. And right now I'm not sure if their path is going to be doing what the Lakers did, which is inevitably when a high end star demands out, um, you know, they kind of have the assets to be front of the line to get them mm-hmm. like Anthony Davis mm-hmm. or if they're going to go the way of the Celtics where it's like, you know, in 2017, we're like, man, these guys are going to win so many titles. Look at all these picks and all this stuff. And for whatever reason, it just never amounted to anything. And they just kind of stuck in the middle of the second round. Like the mm-hmm. Warriors are kind of, I don't I think they're blame. a higher end. They have a higher ceiling than, than the Celtics did back then. Well, yes, because Steph's better than Kyrie and definitely um, not as uh, unstable. So mm-hmm. And then also um, some other factors, but I think Draymond the, the, is better than the bigs that they had back then too. So sure. But 
if you look at it, the core three of the Warriors, Draymond is not the player he was offensively. Mm-hmm. That's a big difference. And I think Clay is going to be able to shoot till he's like 40. And then be, like, if he wants to play till he's 40, he's going to have a role. Six, seven with that kind of a shot will mm-hmm. always find a role in the league. But I'm a little skeptical he's going to come back being the player he was pre-injury. Like, mm-hmm. I think... One, I just don't think he'll be able to defend the way he used to, which yeah. is the real the real separator from him and the other great shooters in the league. Like, you know, like Joe Harris can shoot the ball. Joe Harris is not hounding your best guard for 40 minutes, you know, right. that type of thing. Um, so I, I just don't know what to expect from Clay's return. And I think that's part of the reason the Warriors are in what I would call kind of a holding pattern where they're not ready to cash all their chips in mm. because – they kind of want to see what clay looks like and figure out what they need. Like, okay, are we actually just like a tangible role player away where we could maybe consider trading like Moses Moody in a future pick for just like, you know, not, not like a, a big name star or something like that. Just like someone yeah. who kind of rounds out our rotation and can close lineups or is clay coming back kind of, you know, 60% of himself. And like the only way this team is contending is by, obtaining like a top 10 to 15 player because clay is no longer that guy. And it's really just kind of Steph and role players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it makes total sense that the warriors would want to see what they have from clay first and and the league, by the way, wants to see what they have from clay first because they started the season with Lakers warriors right off the bat. I was kind of bummed to see that I was, I was a little bummed that uh, I wanted to, you know, give clay a little bit more time to get healthy and, and get his, Oh, he's not, wet. he's not playing open at night. Yeah, I, almost, I didn't, un- I I didn't understand the decision. I didn't, I didn't get the decision, you know, unless they were hoping to just straight ratings, up recreate ratings. the, well, yeah, but <laughs> straight up recreate the, the, the um, playing game or whatever. But I just think, I just think if you really want to maximize these matchups, you, you hold off a couple weeks and, well, and you see how this I'm looking, goes. I'm looking at the, the Warriors Lakers schedule right now. And forgive me, I hadn't looked at it beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, they play three times after February. Yeah. Two of them are 5:30 Saturday games. Clay yeah. will definitely be back before then. So yeah. it's I think they were willing to punt one of the matchups just because they know Steph Curry, LeBron James, opening night mm-hmm. is the type of thing that's gonna get, you know, I like eyeballs beyond you and me, like people yeah. in like random states. We'll watch that. Um, but then they pushed every other matchup to the back end and It'll be interesting because now that I'm looking at it, I there's a decent chance Clay is off of a minutes limit by the second time they play in February. The way it's kind of being put to me is like he's going to come back probably sometime between Thanksgiving and Christmas, mm-hmm. and then there's an and just so we're clear, he had surgery on his Achilles. Um, he had surgery on his Achilles uh, November 25th last year, so we're talking literally about a year, twelve months. That exactly. sounds about right. And then when you when you factor in the um, the knee injury before it, it's just kind of, I, I just don't know what the recovery is. But the assumption is he's going to come back and he's going to be on some sort of twenty to twenty five minute per game plan for a period of time, probably no back to backs. And then hopefully the Warriors are hoping by the second half of the season they can get him closer to thirty minutes, and then by the playoffs, maybe you know you take off the um, you, you take off the yeah, exactly. That sort of thing where it's like, which would make the Warriors just more dangerous because they'll probably be a lower playoff seed than they should be 
considering the talent they have. So <laughs> I always, I always feel bad for teams like Denver, Utah, etc. that right. find themselves at the top of the, at the top of the seedings. And then they look down and it's like, Oh, cool. The Warriors were like last year was, Oh, cool. Like Phoenix, for example. Oh, cool. The Lakers. It just, it just so happened that AD uh, tours or hurt his groin. And, and then that was that, but, but yeah, for those teams at the top of it, especially Utah, for example, it's like, we've played the same song now for seven years in a row. <laughs> and now, and now it's going to, finally mercifully end with uh golden state meeting in them in the in the first round the thing that i'm i'm curious with draymond and and honestly this is like the one of the top things i wanted to talk to you about what happened to his offense like is it just that he exerts so much energy on the defensive side and he's not the same athlete that he was a few years ago that he has no legs on the other end is it a mental thing because i watch him play and obviously masterful on defense very good facilitator, but then like just absolutely the reluctant to shoot. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So it's it's two it's two things to me. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, one he's lost a little athleticism, and he needed every bit of athleticism he had to finish at the rim as it was. Like he wasn't yeah. an above the rim player. Mm-mm. So the difference between like like he has no rim. chance of finishing over Anthony Davis in 2021 for example right or mm-hmm. any of the high end rim protectors everything he does in terms of finishing has to be kind of about using angles and transition getting someone out of position that sort of thing mm-hmm. now the jump shot he messed up his shoulder i want to say in 2017 it might have been the beginning of 18 and mm-hmm. since then he's just never been the same as a shooter 16 was always a little bit of an outlier where he shot like 39% from three. Yeah. If you go back and watch the way he shot the ball in 2014, 15, 16, just the form Mm -hmm. versus now we all make fun of him for like shooting like he's a backpack. Backpack. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I legitimately think it's the wear and tear of back and shoulder injuries Mm -hmm. on his shooting form. And for a guy who, again, it's not like he was clay Thompson. Like he was, he was a guy who was going to like some years he shoots 38%, some years he shoots 32%, like mm-hmm. a mid thirties percent shooter who can stick enough open shots that like you kind of have to consider mm-hmm. it a threat. Right. I think the the shoulder and back issues have now turned it, you know, more into like, we're hoping for 30%. And mm-hmm. I think he knows it, which is why he's always trying to look to pass out of it because he knows if nothing else, I'm still like, the smartest guy on the floor in almost every matchup, you know, like he's got to have top five IQ in the league. Like he's, he, I mean, he's, he's really maximizing what he can do with his mind because his shot and athleticism are not really helping him at this point. Uh, But if I had to guess, it's, it's mostly that I think the injuries have caught up to him and the wear and tear. And he wasn't a particularly skillful player before that anyway. So whatever skill he had just deteriorated a little bit and, I mean, the margin between shooting 34% and 28% from three is like legitimately the difference between being a kind of a threat and then everyone making fun of you for not being able to shoot the ball. Right. Well, and, and then given the the low number of shots that he's attempting, right, it's a very fine line between 38 or 34 and 28% because that's like two makes a game. It's a, it's 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 yeah. not it's not that big a difference here. And it's just it just, and, the, the perception is very, very different. 
I would say that that's always been Andy and my biggest issue is passing up the shots. Yeah. That's kind of like, I, I'm going to live with the fact that he's inefficient and I'm okay with it because he's not going to take 25 shots. Like I, I just don't see the world in which he like has like Russell Westbrook confidence and he's four for 20 and is like, I don't care. I'm still shooting it, you know? <laughs> uh, but yeah. I would like that to be, you know, these games where it's like, he's one for three from the field or like, mm-hmm. Oh, for four. Like, what are you doing playing 35 minutes, taking three or four shot attempts, you know? Right. And it, without like free throws, it's not like he's getting fouled. Yeah. It's he's, a, yeah it's, he's not yeah. shooting four shots with 10 free 10 throws. Free throws it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's four shots with maybe two free throws. Yeah. I, I, I've always watched when I watch those guys play and the, the smarter defenses, like they just sell out to the corner as soon as he touches the ball. And he just, he just left there. And it, you know, that's where all the memes come from, where he's standing out there at the top of the key, and, and it's just like it's it's like the well, worst version of shoot. it's like the worst version of Rondo. Rondo can mm-hmm. float between that and being a scoring threat, as you know. Mm-hmm. But like when you get the bad Rondo, the guy who you're like he has zero desire to shoot the ball, it's really frustrating to watch yeah. him like dribble there, pass up open shots to pass it to someone to get a worse shot just because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to shoot the ball. That's a lot of what the Draymond experience is like on offense. The problem is, I mean, you saw it in the play-in game. He can still dial it up defensively and yeah. in a way that very few players can. And it's just like, even with all those, you know, fleas and like all those issues, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm it's just not that easy to be like, all right, well, let's just dump him and get out of the contract. It's like, well, okay, who are you replacing him with? Cause like, yeah. you're going to get Giannis or Anthony Davis. Like, sure. That's fine. You know, <laughs> yeah. they, they can, they can do what he does defensively and, and figure that out, you know, plus like obviously being worlds better offensively, but like those options don't exist. So it's kind of like, you got to deal with what you have there because he's still the world in which they dump him they become the Portland trailblazers where it's like, all right, they can outshoot anyone on any given night, but there's nothing inside. There's no defense. There's just no chance you can get anywhere that matters. Yeah. I'm going to start worrying as soon as Steph Curry starts making SoundCloud links and sending them (laughs) out there. And that's when, that's when I'll start to get a little nervous, but uh, last thing on, on Draymond too, the way that he defends Anthony Davis is, is truly unique. Like it's one of the cooler things to watch in the NBA is is the way that some guy who is six inches shorter than Anthony Davis, I think maybe even more, um, not the athlete that AD is and all of those things, but uh, is an absolute workhorse and, and a legitimate defensive genius. Um, how confident are you, even if Draymond isn't shooting, isn't isn't, isn't doing that, if Clay is healthy, and Draymond takes AD out of the out of the game, and now it just becomes about LeBron and Russ trying to outscore Steph and, and Clay. That feels like the optimal way forward for Golden State. Yeah, I mean, so we're imagining a world in which by the playoffs, Clay is kind of the, the Clay he was pre-injury. Yeah, um, well, like some like offensively, maybe like, I don't yeah, think he's yeah. ever going to be that defensively, but no. offensively, sure. I guess for me, it comes down to the, the Warriors still have a ton of gambles across the roster. Andrew Wiggins had his best year last year. Mm-hmm. It's still kind of like a take it or leave it thing. Like I thought he played really good defense on LeBron in the playing mm-hmm. game. 
Um, his offense is still kind of like if he's hitting shots, it's good. If he's not hitting shots, he's just kind of wasting possessions, dribbling into 18 footers. Um, you know, they, they get Otto Porter. Who knows? You know, there's a world in which Otto Porter goes to a team with expectations and randomly becomes good again, like we saw with Nick Batum last year. You know, mm-hmm. like that sort yeah. of thing. There's also a chance he's washed. You know, <laughs> like we don't know. Yeah. So, uh, I feel like a lot of it comes down to what happens in the margins around those guys, to be honest, because I don't, it's not that I feel unconfident about it, but it's like, I I'm just, I'm not wrapping my head around this world in which like, you know, game six clay is reappearing in four months, I guess is what it comes down to. Right. Right. Uh, But if he does, I mean, I like their chances because those two guys can get hotter than anyone. And, I mean, they can they can flip a game in a quarter at any time, and that's what kind of makes them dangerous. They can look completely mediocre for three quarters, where you're just like, "What is that turnover? What, this guy's mm-hmm. a top ten player. What are you talking about?" You know, that type of thing. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, the fourth quarter comes around, and it's just like, "Bang, bang, bang! Where did our ten point lead go? And why are they up?" You know, <laughs> it's what makes this matchup so fascinating to me because the way that the two teams approach domination or, or is, is completely different where the warriors look to open you up, open you up, open you up, and then let their other guys just kind of stab you to death. And then the Lakers take a hammer and just bang you over the top of the head with it, with Mm -hmm. all of the pressure that they're putting on the rim. It's so different with how they play. And, and that's honestly like, it's one of the things that, I have felt has been somewhat missing from, from the highest levels of the sport mm-hmm. where two teams are trying to beat each other by doing two completely different things. Clash of styles, right? Exactly, exactly. And, and it, this is why I'm really excited to see this, this play out because I, one way, one, you know, the, the Warriors way says that the math should win out. The Lakers way says that, well, athleticism and, and physicality is going to win out. And I, I legitimately don't know when both of these teams, if both of these teams are fully 100% healthy. And especially if Golden State makes that move to bring in either a role player or a higher level role player, like how that plays out. I, I, it's, I'm, I'm legitimately excited just for the matchup, the concept of a matchup. Yeah. I mean, the Lakers identity is basically LeBron as like all LeBron teams. And LeBron is just a master of winning possession after possession. And over the course of a hundred possession game, you know, he's converted 60 of them into winning possessions and it, it works out better for you that way. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like, I don't want to call it death by paper cuts because LeBron is anything but a paper cut, but like, yeah. you know, it's just kind of like, he's slowly dissecting you with physical force the whole yeah. game. The warriors are like just out of nowhere, like a home run shot and then a yeah. second home run shot, that type of thing. They're like the baseball team where you're like, dude, they have like 12 strikeouts through five innings. And then yeah. in the sixth inning out of nowhere, they hit three back to back to back home runs to completely change the game. Yep. And then they go back to being boring and striking out again. Like <laughs> that's who they are really, you know, yeah. on some level, that's why it's like, they're at the best. That's why Draymond is irreplaceable for them in my opinion, because it's like, their entire formula is if we play high-end defense, we can ride the ups and downs of the offense because at some point, Steph and Claire are going to hit shots, but you know, they may have a quarter where they go two for 14 combined from the field. Whereas like, you know, with LeBron, LeBron doesn't go like one for 10, 
you know, like that yeah. he doesn't have those lulls. He also doesn't go eight for 10 from three, but like, it, it's just a very steady, like, you know, six for 10 on layups and some free throw attempts and getting some guys, some shots and just pragmatically beating you down with physicality. How did you feel after the Lakers traded for Russ? I know you, you, you and I, <laughs> Uh, I, I know I, your I stance loved, on Russ the it. player. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it because it makes it so much easier for me to uh, to be partisan. Like I'm just going to be honest about it. Like <laughs> no, Russ like is it. Russ is my least favorite superstar in the NBA um, in terms of just playing style. Like he's yeah. erratic. I I've just I'm not a stubborn. fan. And yeah, mm-hmm. stubborn. And um, it just makes it a lot easier to root against the Lakers. So. From that standpoint, I love it. Now, if I take that hat off from a basketball standpoint, I'm kind of fascinated because you could you could make the case that like if they do some of the stuff that the old Miami Heat did with like him in the Dwayne Wade role mm-hmm. and Anthony Davis is kind of a supercharged Chris Bosch at center. But like basically it's like those three and shooters around them and like mm-hmm. hyper aggressive athleticism and trapping. You could make a case that like that makes all the sense in the world and like the Russ can't shoot isn't as big a deal as you think, Mm -hmm. but that requires Russ and AD to buy into said roles and their careers have, uh, you know, have shown us that, you know, they're, they're not the easiest going with those sort of things. Well, also Russ at this stage of of his career, isn't primed weight athletically and LeBron right now isn't prime LeBron uh, athletically. Uh, AD, I think, is obviously on par, if not better, athletically sure. than Chris Bosh. But, but yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the the blueprint. That's the idea. It's whether or not they can execute it. I was just, I, I was kind of curious for both of that, though. I, I like that. Like one of the things that kind of annoys me sometimes in the discourse on basketball is this notion that like we can't not like a player. Like we we all. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a fan of Chris Paul. I don't like watching him play. I don't like all the antics. I grant that he is great. I grant that he's in hall, uh, a Hall of Famer, all of those things. Uh, but I find him grading. And and I should be allowed to say, I'm not a Chris Paul fan. Like, I, <laughs> I'm not. I did. And and I like that you hopped on here and said right away, you know, I'm like Russ. <laughs> not, not my cup of tea. Not my cup of tea. It's okay. He's a, he's a Hall of Famer, first ballot. Um. But yeah, I feel like if uh, if the Lakers if the Lakers can win a title with with Russell Westbrook, that will be LeBron's biggest accomplishment. I think opinion. so. I think I so. I mean, he's had he's had a lot of. He obviously had Kevin Durant for six seven years there as a teammate, mm-hmm. at least four in which they were like coherent title contenders. Mm-hmm. Um, he's played with James Harden. Uh, he's played with Paul George, who's not the same caliber of player, but he's still a very good player. Uh, LeBron, if LeBron's yeah, Bradley Beal, also not quite the same caliber as Katie or Harden, but mm-hmm. an excellent player. If he's able to get it done with uh, Russ, I mean, it's hard to uh, it's hard to not look at that and be like, Kevin, Kevin Durant couldn't do that, you know, <laughs> like James Harden couldn't do it. Like, it's obviously the context is different. Having Anthony Davis is kind of a big deal, but it's it would be it would at least be hilarious in terms of internet fodder and trolling. What do you think? the chances of like do you think there's a non-zero chance that lebron thought of it that way like hey (laughs) i did this could be a a a nice line in the resume you know (laughs) 
I, it's had to have crossed his mind when people say Kevin Durant's better than him. He's like, I'm about to win with the guy he couldn't win with, you know? Oh, <laughs> exactly. and meanwhile, he has the guy I want a title with and you know, that sort of thing. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's kind of funny in terms of those narratives that like are going to exhaust themselves on the timeline for the next 12 months. But uh, yeah. it is kind of funny to think about. Cause like, yeah, now that I didn't even think about the Kyrie aspect, but like, obviously LeBron winning in 16 with Kyrie as his running mate, like, you know, Kevin Durant's trying to prove he can do that too. Yeah. What, how do you think we're going to look back on, on the Steph LeBron thing? Cause this is my last thing here, but I, I look at this. It's like, it has to be one of the top rivalries of our generation. Right. But, but, but like, it doesn't really feel like it. I don't know. I, I haven't been a part I of think, it directly. I so I think gonna, that plays a role in it. So I just want the Warriors to get, coherently competitive before LeBron, you know, either ages out, which doesn't appear like it's going to happen or just retires, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, because having one last, at least one more playoff series between the two of them would be really fun. And doing it now with different teams, even if the Warriors, um, uh, you know, Steph similar. isn't Steph isn't leaving the Warriors and he still has Clay and Draymond, but no one else on the roster is the same. You know, yeah. it's a completely different team. And obviously LeBron is in a different situation. Uh, it's not it's not Magic Bird because that was a full decade with two specific franchises, but it it it'll have some sort of rivalry similarity in the sense of especially when there's such dichotomies like LeBron is like yeah. one of the most physically impressive people you're ever going to see. Yep. Um, Steph is not <laughs> Steph does all his damage. I mean, everything about Steph starts from the fact that like when he's at half court, you're terrified. Yeah. Everything about LeBron is like, how many people can we put at the rim to stop him from dunking all over us? And is that still enough? You know, like that sort of thing. So it's just like, <laughs> And, and yet at their core, I think they're exactly the same in the sense of they're truly like five on five players. Like mm. neither like, okay, Kevin, Kevin Durant is cut from the Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan isolation basketball. Like yeah, he's kind of a Ronin. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he can't play team basketball, but like the way he sees the game mm-hmm. is mono mono. And that was always a thing with Kobe. It was always a thing with Michael Jordan. And I get it. Those might be the three best, like one on one players of all time. Right. Yeah. That sort of thing. LeBron is not that guy. And Steph for all his like magical shooting off the dribble is also not that guy. Yeah. They're very like, how do I get my team going? They're like team, 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 the way they approach the game. So I always thought like the cool thing about the rivalry is it's two guys who are team first basketball players in terms of the way they approach it on the court, but they're, that's like literally where the similarity ends. There is not one other aspect of their game that is similar, you know? Yeah. LeBron might be the best passer I've ever seen. Steph is an erratic passer. You know, Steph is the greatest shooter I've ever seen. LeBron can shoot the ball, but like, like no one's but he's comparing not him. On. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's just such a fun uh, little rivalry in comparison. Yeah, I, I, I love their rivalry for all of the stuff that you're talking about. And again, like styles make fights. This is something that's been kind of missing from from the NBA and like the analytics era. And uh, this is what I'm really looking forward to with these two teams. It's kind of why I wanted to kick off like this contender preview with the Warriors because. This is, this is to me the most fascinating matchup out there. Even counting the the Nets 
Lakers won. It's just Nets Lakers is a 2K game. You know, it's yeah, it, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't feel it feels in yeah, it feels like uh 2K. That's a great way to put it. Two amazing sets of talent, but there doesn't feel like there's history there. Yeah, exactly. And there and there is here and there and there and by the way, like there's Steph LeBron history. There's like you talked about earlier, the the Bay Southern California history. Right. Like I can't wait for for the way. I'm really knocking on wood this this time because we've been talking about we've been potting. We've probably potted of three, four, five times over the course of the last five right. years or so. And every year it's like, will this finally be the year? There is a one year where they played like eleven. No, they played like eight. <laughs> yeah, they played like five preseason games before the regular season, and there's there was the potential that they might meet in the series, and then Steph got hurt. And I'll and, never and, uh, I'll never forget that. Um, this is a fun anecdote. So uh, first game ever at Chase Center. It was a preseason game against the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And the Warriors obviously just lost Kevin Durant. Clay was out. At that point, we didn't know he was out for the season, but the writing should have always been on the wall, right? Mm-hmm. They trade Andre Godala. They get D'Angelo Russell. And it's like Steph, D'Lo, Draymond, and like a cast of guys I'm not sure are still in the NBA, like Omari Spellman and yeah. like that sort of thing. And so first you're watching- Chris a part of that? I think he, he was. was. Actually, at yeah. that point, he was like on a non-guarantee. He mm-hmm. actually got cut and then they re-signed him later in the season. But anyway, right. that's neither here nor there. So walking into the Chase Center, which is weird because Oracle had so much history. Mm-hmm. So it's already strange. And then- um you know, I'm sitting kind of up in the media section and I'm watching. I'm like, I don't recognize anyone on this Warriors team. And the <laughs> Lakers are just massive. You know, it's just like, <laughs> it was Anthony Davis's first game in a Laker uniform, LeBron's LeBron, you know, yeah. you, you guys had JaVale and Dwight. And it was White just kind of like, and I was, uh, I was like talking with uh, Darius. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, and I was just like, um, he's just like, I know that look in your face. That's the look I had the last six years watching the Lakers. I'm like, oh, I was just like, he's like, he's like, yeah, it's going to be a long year for you. I'm like, "Ah, it's too early to say that. He's like, hey, just kind of like, he just kind of smiled. He's like, we'll see. (laughs) I was just kind of like, I could see and hear Darius doing both of those things. (laughs) Yeah, it was. In retrospect, it was funny, but I was just like new arena team. I didn't recognize. And then like the whole thing was just kind of a surreal experience. Now it's just funny, but yeah. 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 All right. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to the matchup. I'm looking forward to uh, talking with you about the matchup over the course of the year. Uh, again, blue wire pods, the light years podcast. Uh, they do Twitter spaces or no, they do uh, Spotify green rooms all the time as well. That are always very entertaining. I love the post loss versions of those like i'm oh sorry my god it's yeah it, those are um those i don't, I don't mean so to like rub your amazing. nose and like losses or whatever no but, no no i, but, I feel like it's therapeutic andy and i yeah. started loving those because like after they lose you're in a bad mood because like eight out of ten losses always feel like they were avoidable right yeah. like every now and then there's just a game where it's like well stuff's gonna shoot five for 20 we're not gonna win right that okay. type of thing uh, but like um most losses, you're always like, man, what a dumb decision by Kerr at the end of the third quarter, you know, like, everyone, right. and then, and then those, those post-game shows, they just get so like, I mean, it's like peak sports talk, radio call-ins. It's, it's like therapeutic because it's fun. Yeah. It's, 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 it's what great. sports should be. It's like, I don't care. 
if I agree with your take, like, let's have some fun. Let's get the emotion out. Let's have a good yeah. time. Yeah. No, I'm telling you guys, uh, check out their, their, their green room sessions. They're really, really fun, uh, especially after losses. And, and then I'm hoping that the Lakers hand you guys a couple of those losses. Then I'll hop in there in those, in those green rooms. <laughs> I'll throw you to the wolves. You might not want that. <laughs> Best of luck this season, man. I, I greatly appreciate you hopping on and I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Anytime, man.